What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, welcome to episode four. This is the crazy live week because, unfortunately, to a lot of people's opinions, live kind of outshine the PGA Tour and both, and also the LPGA Tour this past weekend. Didn't even know there was an event going on until I woke up the one morning and saw some TikToks from the event. So we're going to delve in deep and recap the Zurich as well as the Chevron. Um, talk about that live golf event uh, the Mexican opens this week it's kind of an off week on the PGA Tour but we're going to still kind of give a little insight on our picks for that tournament because there's a lot of names that um, are in the field that are not as well known as well as um, some of your big names like John Rom. and then to kind of I'm going to kind of in delve in deep on my experience this past weekend i don't know if you want to hear about it with going down to titleist um as well as going through our picks from last week where we did both the zurich and the chevron and then rounding the episode out with the unpopular golf opinions so how how was your weekend of watching golf i didn't watch a second of golf this weekend. Very uncharacteristic of me, but I didn't watch. I just didn't sit down and watch a second of it. I don't know what what happened. I just guess I was just busy, and but yeah, I didn't watch a second of golf. I did. I read up on it, watched the highlights and all that stuff, but I didn't watch any live golf this weekend at all. Yeah, I I'm in the same boat. I got all of my information from Instagram and TikTok. Um, mm-hmm. I would had to sit through that overtime winner um, for the Leafs on Saturday. That was um, kind of hard for me to hear while I'm driving down yeah. the 401, frustrated with traffic. Recording earlier tonight, just so I can watch the Leafs get out of the first round for the first time. I I still have Tampa in seven because no. I still don't trust the Leafs to make it out of anything. But this isn't a hockey podcast, so we can't we shouldn't no. bring up our opinions on what's happening in the NHL playoffs right now. So we're gonna start off with our recap on our picks. Um, did you take a look at the recap totals for the picks? I did, and it looked pretty good. <laughs> you had a good week, but I'm still looking at the total is still looking really good. For myself. Yeah, I'm still 17 shots back, but yeah. You did have two, two, two of your picks did not make the cut, so yeah, yeah. So, the, but it was of, like a good to not make the cut. Like they didn't, uh, like they still still shot eight under. I still had eight strokes taken off. Yeah, like so, Colin Morikawa, Max Homa, eight under, missing the cut at the Zurich. Uh, my Zurich pick was. Uh, Xander Shoffley and Patrick Hantley, which was they were finished uh, twenty six under par. Um, I would have been a lot closer if Lydia Ko didn't miss the cut at three over par. Yeah, she had a bad week. It looks like. Yeah, which players are allowed to have bad weeks? Yep. Um, you also had Lexi Thompson who missed the cut at plus two. Mm-hmm. Again. It is what it is. I'm. I've had what. This is my first week where I've 
haven't had someone that wasn't like plus a gazillion for the weekend. Yeah, this this is the this is the best you've done. This is the best I've done in total. Um, Brooke Henderson, I had. Uh, she made the cut. She finished at even par. Then you stole my wife from me, uh, Nelly Carter, at minus nine. Yeah, she she did pretty good. So for the week totals, I was minus twenty three. You were minus fifteen, and then overall total, you're at sitting at minus fifty four, and I'm at minus thirty seven. That's really good. So you're still in the lead by seventeen shots. Just because, basically, because of quarter being nine under and not winning. Mm-hmm. So, uh, recapping the Zurich, uh, let me pull up the leaderboard. My bullet point for the I have one bullet point for the Zurich, and it just says nothingness. Yeah, nothing really happened. Um, nothing, nothing interesting. Wasn't... I mean, Adam Hadwin and Nick Taylor uh, came runner up. The, both Canadians. Um, mm-hmm. They finished uh, minus twenty eight. And the only con, like the only Instagram content I even saw from this whole tournament was after Colin Morikawa after making the cut did this little interview with uh, a fourteen year old kid who wants to be a golf uh, reporter when he grows up. That's literally the only footage I saw from this tournament on social media. The rest I had to go looking for. Yeah, the I've seen I saw stuff uh with um uh, Fitzpatrick and his brother, so Matt and Alex. Uh they finished T19 at 19 under par. Um but like I've seen stuff about them because obviously it's older brother and younger brother playing together, so it was kind of a story that Yeah, he just on. won last weekend, so Yeah, so I I saw be... some things about them, but I didn't see anything too like crazy and too out there from it um and then again with the chevron um it's the lpga major so lpga they're killing it on social media right now they've whoever is doing their tiktoks and instagram stuff they need a raise um doesn't matter doesn't even it doesn't matter if they have a tournament that week or whatnot. They're always posting something, and I saw someone post about the fact that Golf. dot com has posted less than ten times about the LPGA tour compared to like the men's side, which is predominantly mm-hmm. what they're focusing on. But then you go over and look at the LPGA's Instagram itself and TikTok, and they're killing it over there. So. Like if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have known that Corda was in it until like I looked at, looked it up. Um, uh, I don't. It's, what is it? Vu one. Yeah. Just I have I have that leaderboard up. Yeah, Vu one. She is the is ranked fortieth in the LPGA right now. So. Mm-hmm. That's a nice uh, first place prize for the $5 million purse. Yeah. Um, this is the first time it was at this the course in Houston. I, I did like that they carried over the, uh, the jump. Yes, they jump did carry the over pond. the jump. Um, I will put it in here. Remember, Dylan, put it in here in the edit. Wee! Wee! Wee!
Um, because last week I said I was going to put some stuff in the thing and I totally forgot to do it in the edit. Um, next we got, uh, they talked about how it's a new course and they had to learn a new course. Well, the course that they were just on is going under, uh, restoration and they're redoing most of the course. So next year they're going to be learning a whole new course at the same time. So good. Um, I'm excited to see how the course looks differently in the next iteration of the event, which would be next year. And I, I maybe if I get a chance to go to Houston, I'll try to sneak on the course. I'd be excited. I've always wanted to go golf in Houston. I've heard there's a, I've heard there's just really good golf down in Texas. I've always heard that. Like the random golf club headquarters is down in Texas, so. Yeah, good, good. It's in Texas a, as well. Yeah. Like, Texas a, is, I would say, two. second to, or third to Florida or Arizona. I would m- much mm-hmm. rather play in Arizona or Florida. I'd put Arizona top. Yeah. Sure. I mean, Arizona, their summers are absolutely terrible, but... Yeah. Their winters are hit or miss because, like, if you think back to the waste management this year, um, it was cold. And, like, thinking mm-hmm. about being in Arizona and being it cold, it's just the fact that it's the desert. So if it's a cold front coming in, there is no um, there's no helping in it. Um, same with when it's hot. It's really hot. Whereas Florida, yeah. there's a little bit of difference where it can be really, really hot. Yeah, and storms all muggy and minutes. gross. Yeah, but then it's really hot. Then it storms for about an hour and hour or two, and then you got. It's nice not water. as hot, but the air you have to push through to walk through because it's all thick. I don't know. Southern Cal golf is really good too. So. And that's another another one on the golf destination bucket list is California. Yeah. So the what's on the golf. Um, bucket list that it's not playing a golf course is definitely the Scotty Cameron studio um, shop in SoCal. Yeah, for sure. I would spend a lot of money in that place. Yeah, that'd be a dangerous spot. I'm actually, I, I need to get a new putter. So I'm, thinking, I'm looking at Scotty's, but they're just too damn expensive for me. I just can't do it. Hey, there is the thing of the Scotty tax. Yeah. You know what the Scotty tax is? No. You buy one and you want another one. Yeah, no, I'm just gonna stick with. I like the. I'm like really looking at the Seymour putters. Yeah. Have you heard of Makefield putters? No. So um, I've I haven't actually tried a Makefield putter for me because I've only tried the right-handed versions. Um, mm-hmm. They look like a spaceship, but they feel pretty good. Um, like, like I said, I've Makefield? only tried it. Makefield, yeah. I've tried Last it. Last golf putter you'll ever need. Well, I doubt that. Well, they look pretty cool, actually. Yeah. They Let's give up. They give off like smaller lab putter vibes. Yes, I agree. It's kind of like a little upstart group. Yeah, they look pretty nice. I'm just gonna. I'm trying to find a price point for them. Yeah, I like the Seymours, 
the uh, anything center shafted. Seymour does a lot of center shafted stuff, but yeah, I'm looking at the center shafted putter. I just like the way they they feel all the time. Yeah, what about the like? Um, are are you looking Ooh. for a blade center shafted or a mallet center shafted? Uh, anything that feels good. I I have, I have a mallet right now, but um, I don't know. I, I it might be time to switch back to a blade. I used to have a blade before, but it was just from my like beginner like learning set that yeah you know, when you first get into golf because i know um taylor made you can customize a spider that has a center shafted in there um mm. obviously you're customizing it so it's going to be a little more expensive speaking um, of taylor made we should check see if that uh that bag is up for grabs yet what uh, what was that website you were saying it would be on? Uh, there's so there's an app. It's like, they give you like so you could literally buy like an old Colin Morikawa wedge um, okay. that is on there. But let's look on their actual website. I'm looking on the vault. As of right now, on the okay, Canadian the Canadian website, it's not there. There is a ton of um, spider head covers. Yes. Um... Is that bag? I, I still haven't been able to get over that bag. It was the nicest bag I have ever seen. And we're talking about the tailor-made staff bag for this Chevron Championship. If um, yes. people are wondering, I'll put in yeah. a photo here. Dylan, remember, put a photo in here. Dylan, put, put the damn photo. Yeah. I kind of sucked at my video editing because I was just trying to make sure I got it out in time. I want to buy this bag. Um, the other thing... Um, hold on, I'm going to send you over a photo. I saw this today. It is a tailor tailor made P seven nineties. I don't like or no P seven seventies. I don't like the feel of those irons. Um, both the P seven nineties and the P seven seventies. But just the way it looks, it looks sick. It just gives me like Spitfire vibes. Oh, that's sick! Again, I'm putting the photo. That's really here. cool. I really like that. I like. I don't know if I. Ah, the more I look at it, the less I like it. But originally, like first glance, it looks really cool. But I like just the look of traditional golf clubs. Those are. I feel like those are the like irons or whatever that I would put in like just in a staff bag in an office one day. Yeah, just not ever hit. Yeah, they're they'll. They will be display irons. Like it will be just like their blackout irons were the coolest. Uh I would say the Titleist T100 blackouts. I know so much better. But the white that the ta TaylorMade had in there, uh, like uh, it just it, it offset it so well. There's a little pop of white. It was really good. Those are the probably the coolest clubs I've ever seen. 
I, I like the Titleist ones with the gray accents and silver, not the P790 white. P790 Phantom Black Irons for $2,000. Yeah. Jesus. Um, I can customize them? Yeah, let me get distracted. <laughs> well, if we're going to talk about iron sets, um... Why don't we get into what I was doing last weekend real quick before we talk about yeah, the Mexico. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Okay, so I went down to Eagle's Nest um, for a Titleist club fitting. Um, so I've been playing the Pro V1X for the past, like, five years, I think. Mm-hmm. And turns out it's still the right ball for me, so that, that nothing has changed. That's good. That's good, that's good, that's good. This is... Should I start with the most surprising part to me, or should I just... Yeah, go with the most surprising part. Okay, so the most surprising part is my irons. So, for my 4 and 5 iron, I got fitted into T100s, uh, Dynamic mm-hmm. Gold S300, a degree flat on the lie angle, um, standard loft. Yeah. So... Iron shafts chains from what I currently have. Um, I have a T200 in my 4-iron right now and then T100S in my 5-iron. So yeah. the reason why we went with less loft is because less loft, more spin, more spin, more control. And yes, it's cool to hit a 4-iron 225 yards, but when it's spinning at like 3,000 RPMs, there's no way I'm holding that green. Mm-hmm. So... If I'm hitting into a par five, I need to club down, even though it's the distance, because it's just going to roll out. Mm-hmm. Um, then into the six iron, I I got fitted into six twenty CBs, and the six iron and seven iron. I'll be putting images up of what clubs we're talking about at this time. Yeah. Honestly, the 620 CBs, in my opinion, is the, um, or is it, is it 620 or is it 20? Hold on. Yeah, 620 CBs, in my opinion, mm-hmm. are the best looking irons on the market. They look you... pretty, I'm looking at them right now. They look really nice. Yeah, they just look so clean. And then yeah, eight and nine iron, I got fitted into the six twenty MBs. Yeah. And then my pitching wedge, pitching wedge is a Vokey, so that one. I prefer the look of the MBs, like uh, pullbacks. Yes, I like the I look know, of the C- them. They look, they look very like classic and old school. Yes, That's the just... MBs look very classic and old school. The CBs look very, um, they just look clean, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah. my pitching wedge, gap wedge, sand wedge, lob wedge are all Vokies that I got fit into. Um, the ones uh, for, uh, 46, which is the pitching wedge, it's a degree weak, so it's 47. So that's the same loft as what would be on the pitching wedge for the MB. Um 52 a degree strong so it's gets that um to that 51 and then 54 degree weak to 55 and then 60 which is what i currently kind of have so the 
the 54 and the 60 I currently have in the bag. It's just mm-hmm. basically what it is is the irons is what I'm looking at. Because there I got I didn't gain anything in the um, three wood area or the driver area. I if I was to switch anything about that it would be the Ventus uh, TR Blue X um, 60 for both of them. They just it felt more stable than the shaft that I currently have, but um, mm-hmm. it is what it is. But that being said, you were talking about your the. P790s was what, 2000? Yeah, P790, like the blackout, like, no, from, I can never remember what that, they actually called it. But yeah, the P790 Black Edition, um, Phantom Black, it's two, 2000 Canadian, before yes. taxes. So, um, with taxes, just the iron, so the four to, um, well, four to gap wedge because of the loft changes for me to buy right now is $2,116. Wow. Yes. Which, at, at this time, I'm not going to get them. I'm going to wait and see what happens because mm-hmm. um, hopefully it ends up being that I do something crazy in this golf season and people notice me and say, Hey, here's some free stuff or I'm just going to save up and get them eventually. Yeah. So that's unreal. Yeah. Um, the guy there, uh, was very knowledgeable asked, you could have asked him any question about pretty much anything that he had to offer and he would have an answer for you. Uh, he talked about the, um, or, we asked about the, what is it, the the Autoflex shafts, the pink ones, um, and like I said that the Autoflex was a gimmick, and he could neither confirm or deny that. Just, just oh. Interesting. Yes. So it was, it was a very cool experience. Uh, you... You should definitely yeah. get fitted one day. You'll enjoy it. I don't know. You'll I like get my clubs off marketplace. <laughs> hey, at least you'll like because like I have like right now I have my fit sheet, so I know what I should be in. So say for example, on marketplace, there's a set of T100s that are have the dynamic gold S300s in there. Might as well get those, and because they're all going to be all the same lofts, pretty much as the they're like a degree stronger than the MBs and CBs, but I can save a lot of money. And then all I need to do yeah. is just go to Swing Factory, like I dropped my clubs off today, or I dropped them off on Monday, and just get them a degree flat. Yeah. So it, it works out both ways, whether if you want to buy brand new or you want to buy old. Um, you just kind of got to understand what realm you're looking for in the sense of if there's a set of irons that are like the Sim 2s versus P770s, if you get fitted for the P770s and you buy a set of Sim 2s, you're not going to... And they're not, not going to be the same. They're not going to be nearly the same. Um, yeah. Because loft jacking is a thing. Oh, big time. And that's the reason why I'm 
got fitted into that the like the actual blades like one i didn't really think i was the best ball striker or not a good enough ball striker to use them but after hitting them they kind of convinced me that i am a pretty damn good ball striker to hit them um but the difference i've noticed between the loft jacketed like by two degrees for for the t100s is just two degrees instead of my seven iron carrying 180 yards i'm down to like 170 with almost 7,000 spin which i would be able to stop it on any green whereas yeah. when i'm hitting it 180 yards with around 6,000 and spin it's going to roll out a little bit which it's cool to hit it 10 yards further but if you can't score yeah so like that's that's the different aspect that i'm in compared to a lot of people who are like oh yeah i just want to hit the ball as far as possible i'm trying to score Mm -hmm. they're just trying to kill the ball so yeah exactly yeah over the uh over the break i was looking so i had like the I had my basic starter set irons up until just January, I think, is when I bought these new set. I bought the I got Mizuno JPX 850s, and uh, I I found it took a long time to adjust to hitting like an actual iron because I think these are I don't know what category they fall into. I think they're CBs, but yeah, they look like CBs. Um, and it, it took me a long time to adjust from hitting like a player's like player's iron, something that's very forgiving and really easy to hold the green to hitting an actual iron. But once I figured it out, it felt it felt really good and beneficial to my game, and it just hitting the ball felt a lot better. All the club nerds are just screaming at you right now. Why? Because a player's iron is like your blades, your CBs, stuff like that. I've always thought the a player's iron is like the fat ones that just no. ball goes a mile. So there's like three categories of iron. So there's player's irons, which is like your CBs, your MBs. You've ah. got your player's distance, which is like your um, T100S, um, P770s, and then you got your player improvement irons. Which is the player improvement yes. irons are your massive heads that look like spaceships. Yeah, that's what I meant. I used to have massive heads that look like spaceships when I said player's iron. I meant the massive head that looks like spaceship. And then I went down to the, uh, I'm pretty confident they're CB. Can you confirm that or deny that? Um, Mizuno JPX what? 850. Um, I don't want to shop for this. I just want images. Sport. Yeah. I think they're like those player distance ones. Because I, I um, don't think they would consider like a player's club because just by the photos, they look not. a little bit bigger. Um, Obviously... If I, yeah, looking at the top line, it looks more like a player's distance iron compared to yeah. a player's. Definitely iron. not a blade, but also definitely not like a 
improvement iron. Yeah, it's one of those like midway points. It would be similar to what I'm playing right now with the T100S. Yeah, and I I also had like on my other irons I had regular shafts in them, and my swing speed was just way too fast for that. So once I got like I didn't realize how much because I've always like until I really got into like gear and stuff. Other than the fact I called the a player Zion uh, the uh, spaceship irons, but uh, once I really got into gear, I didn't realize how much it mattered that much with irons like i was always like how all the like a regular golfer is like i all didn't really ever cared about driver and three wood and all the technology that went into that and i didn't think you could really get that much different from an iron but it's insane all the different styles and kinds and stuff you can have to, that just completely changes your game yeah like in my field right literally a shaft that was 10 grams heavier made the difference between um, finding geometric center and slightly below geometric center. 10 grams. Mm. 10 grams went from being a okay ball striker to a tour average ball striker. So. It's nuts how just like, little, these little tweaks and stuff that like nobody would really ever think about just makes a. Uh, world of difference yeah like it i i honestly can't tell you all the things about it because i'm like as much as i know about clubs and shafts and stuff like that i don't know everything and i don't know how they all imply like i can tell you that the ventus tr is a little bit stiffer than the event or ventus tr blue is a little bit stiffer than ventus blue because of just the fact that that's what it's marketed as and it's a little bit more stable. Mm-hmm. I even felt that in my fitting. Um, but, like, again, I couldn't tell you why it's like that. Um, I can't tell you why yeah. that the difference between 10 grams in an iron shaft made me a, like, tour average ball striker to, from a average, like, amateur ball striker. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just uh, it's crazy, and then it's it is another thing that sets us apart from the pros that they have like teams of people around them at all times to get the exact number to the decimal in every aspect that they need in that club. That like just makes them perfect. Well, look at um, Xander Shoffley. He's playing like a four wood because his three wood goes too far, but a five wood isn't far enough. Yeah, on the PGA Tour, every player, their clubs go a specific distance. They want their 7-iron to travel this far, their 8-iron this far, 9-iron this far, each wedge needs to go this far. They have their distances, and whatever they need to do to get those distances, that's what happens. So... Like, if we think about it, um, Tiger has used the same shafts in his iron since he got on tour. The, I believe it's Dynamic Gold Tour Issue uh, X100s. Those are the ones he's used since he got on tour. Then there's people who end up trying new things. Like, Bryson previously wasn't with LA Golf, and then LA Golf came out, and now everything Bryson does is with LA Golf. Um... 
So there, you can kind of tell the difference between some players on tour. You have the ones that are sticking to their what they know and they can trust because they've used it for so long, and the people who are trying to just gain every little advantage that they possibly can. So mm-hmm. you got the tinkerers versus oh. the guys who just believe in that whatever they have, they can swing. Yeah. You uh, bringing up Bryson made me look at my one point that I have on here was Bryson did a shoey on the driving range. Yes. So are we going to talk about Live This Weekend now? Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Live This Weekend was absolutely crazy. Bonkers. Did Just you... nuts. It was a great weekend for Live. Like, especially because the PGA Tour had, like, nothing happen this weekend. Nothing really interesting. Yeah. Like... It's just like a very vanilla yogurt weekend for the LPGA and the PGA. Like, obviously, I would think the LPGA wouldn't, like, challenge Liv necessarily. Like, people who are going to watch Liv are going to watch Liv, but people who are going to watch the LPGA are going to watch the LPGA. It's it's the people who weren't Honestly, watching the PGA if, Tour where were they going, and I think they were going towards Liv. Yeah, and if I were on like on the fence between, because I'm, I'm kind of an in-between viewer, I definitely would have picked Liv this weekend. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I, I don't blame the Liv players for going. I don't like Liv. We talked no. about it before with the not liking the um, team style and how they do it. But this weekend, just the watering hole that they had, it was supposed to, it, everyone was so saying good. it was going to be a carbon copy of um, 16 at Waste Management. It was still a And ride. it kind of was, but that's, like, okay, because we all love the whole, we all love 16. But the, the thing was, it was different. Yeah. The atmosphere was different. They were kind of letting them do things. It wasn't like wasn't like kind of restricted whereas like sometimes um 16 feels a little restricted mm. like yeah, um, joel, joel damon got fined money for taking his shirt off on the green at the waste management really yeah I know that. That sucks. he talked about it in the full swing documentary i i missed that Uh, yeah, that Chase Kepka home one on uh, at the watering hole that was electric. Especially with the um, whole, like everything going crazy, them throwing. That's got to be not good for the greens, right? Like them throwing a bunch of beer and stuff. Like that's gonna make putting impossible because you're gonna have all these wet spots. They're just gonna slow a putt down when you're not expecting it, right? Am I wrong? I I don't know. They're in the middle of Australia, so I don't think yeah. that. I mean, it is cu- kind of their fall time right now, so I'm guessing it's probably not as hot as normal. But yeah, it was. I don't know. I I I really don't care if it makes putting harder. It was just fun to watch. I was just curious if it yeah. did make a difference. Yeah, I I I couldn't tell you if it did make a difference or not. I haven't been around enough people spilling beer on greens to figure it out. Well, you haven't played enough fun golf. <laughs> um, but um, the other thing that I think Liv won this week was bringing a tournament to Australia. 
Yeah, that's definitely a big market uh, that the PGA misses out on. And Australians are just the best people ever. Oh, and, and they're, I think, they, yeah. they know how to party, too. They know how to party. They have fun at anything that they do. So it was just, yeah, I was uh, I was thrilled that they had a, tur- uh, a golf event there. And it went off exactly how you'd expect a um, tournament in Australia to go. Yeah. Like, it was perfect. And, like, I think the last time there was a professional tournament at that stature in Australia, I believe it was the President's Cup before COVID at Royal oh, yeah. Melbourne. I believe it was Royal Melbourne. I'm not sure. Um, I, think, I think you're correct. I'm pretty confident you're correct. It was at Royal Melbourne. Yeah, US won 16-14. I am so... Who do you root for in a uh, in the, the um, like... President's uh, Cup? Ryder Cup, President's Cup. Who Like, what side do you root for? Uh, President's Cup, I'm, I'm cheering for the world. Oh, yeah. What about Ryder Cup? Um, depends. Am, mean, am I there in person how? or am I sitting at home? You're sitting at home. Sitting at home, um, probably Europe. Really? Yeah. I don't, I don't know why. I always root for the states. Maybe that's just because like a lot of my favorite players are on that team. But I always rooted for the states. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I know like JT is my favorite player, and he plays on the states. But like a lot of the times, it's. I, I feel like the reason why I choose Europe is just because if I'm thinking of like watching like the World Cup, um, like the FIFA World Cup, I before Canada was in the World Cup, I was cheering for Germany, the Euro stuff like that. So it's always Europe when it's like mm-hmm. Europe versus the US. I'm always picking a European team, so I don't know if it, that has to do anything. But I can tell you, if I did go to the Ryder Cup in the U.S., I would be cheering for the U.S. because I'd be scared to see what happened. Yeah, you get jumped. You get you get absolutely demolished if you didn't cheer for the U.S. Yeah, so that that's why um, that's why I said it depends. Where am I? Am I watching it from home or if I'm at the yeah. actual event? What if you're at the event but it's in Europe? Oh, Europe. Have you just? The the European fan base for European stuff is just insane. Yeah, that's true, but I don't know. I just something about being an underdog not the underdog, but something about being the enemy on the over enemy lines. It's kinda it's kinda intriguing to me. I like I like being the antagonist. <laughs> you you don't like being the hero, you like being the villain? Yeah, I do like being the villain. I'm it's, it's easier. Less ex- expectation. <laughs> What's expectations? Um, the uh, 2024 President's Cup, I'm sure you know this, but the 2024 President's Cup is in Canada. It's in Montreal, so, isn't it? Or just outside Montreal? Yeah, we could make a could make a trip. That would definitely be fun. It's, in, it's the Royal Montreal Golf Club. So, you know if I turn professional before then, and I'm part of the PGF Canada, I get into that for free, right? Really? Yeah. Same with the Canadian Open. I know that. Yeah. That's awesome. It's crazy. Um, 
so back to the live top pick. So Taylor Gooch, he ended up yeah. winning the tournament. Big weekend for that guy. Four mil. I just can't believe that they, they, these guys just get four million dollars for playing seventy two holes. But like, listen to this scorecard. His like round scorecards. Okay, minus ten, minus ten, plus one. Like, how do you? <laughs> how do you shoot? Like minus twenty through two days. Yeah. And then just one over. Then one over. Like that's nuts. That that kind of just blows my mind. Like it's the, but he still won. That's I mean there is no picture. Like there's no pictures on the scorecard and there's no pictures on the trophies. But I guess like not there's not really trophies for that. It's more big big ass checks. But yeah, and the champagne got the showers job like F one. Yeah, I I I kind of like that though. I, I like I like it when I like golf being a a spectacle. I don't know. I like golf being a spectacle. Yeah, that's exactly. It. I like the big moments. I like, and I, I feel like a lot of the times I'm saying like like a lot right now. I apologize to people listening, but I feel that when uh, a weekend like we just had on the PGA where. Nothing really happened. It was kind of just a blah, like whatever. It could be amped up by a thousand if someone just pops a bottle of champagne and starts spraying everywhere. <laughs> Do you agree? Like, I, I it, that would just change the change the landscape a little bit, and it would make things a little bit more interesting to watch if, if there was a bit more fanfare when guys won. Yeah, but I just don't like the, the way the uh, the way that Lib doing about their whole approach. Yeah, that makes that does make sense. Like I understand where you're coming from with that, um, but I feel like a lot of Lib's spectacle is like in your face. Like, look at us, look at us. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. if you think of the spectacle of like Tiger winning the Masters, Tiger just went about and did his business. So like, there's mm-hmm. two different yeah, spectacles. Yeah, Tiger and... was his own spectacle. I guess is that's the exact point you were just making, huh? Yeah, like when he went out and did his business, or anytime someone's walking down eighteen with like a two shot lead at a ma- at a Masters or a major, that spectacle of seeing everyone following him, like that's created by themselves instead of them trying to shove it down someone's throat. But that's only four times a year. Yes, I know. So it's, I think this is what the PGA Tour is trying to do with these elevated events, is trying to make them more mm-hmm. of the spectacle, like, oh my god, look at how many amazing players they're going. So, whereas Liv is like, a, we're, look at how much money we're throwing at the people, here's the bottle of champagne, here's this, here's that. Whereas yeah. if they can, if they can take the approach of a little bit from Liv where it's in your face, and a little bit from the PGA Tour, tour just letting it happen you'd have a good balance in that spectacle be perfect it was like i I feel that we need we need that to keep this game interesting for guys our age that aren't absolute golf nuts for just like the casual viewer because we have so many like so many sports that are just so much more electric to watch hockey Football, basketball. I'm not gonna say baseball because that's still in my books one of the most boring boring sports to watch. Um, you, uh, I, guys, are our, our age 
unless you're an absolute nut, aren't going to want to sit down and watch guys play 18 holes on Sunday unless it starts to get a little bit more electric. Yeah. Um, like, the other thing is, like, what the Masters did, which I really liked, is they had every shot shown, and they uploaded it on YouTube, and you could watch mm-hmm. every single shot that um, Rom had for the day. Mm-hmm. So, like, if they can turn the highlight videos into more of a broadcast type thing, that would make it, um, like, more entertaining. Where it's like... You know what was weird? So I was trying to get catch up on recaps of, uh, just watch, like, a recap of the Zurich Classic, just so I knew kind of a general idea what happened. I couldn't find a, a recap anywhere. There was no, like, 10-minute video that just kind of described... This is what happened on day one, two, three, and four. It was just kind of... I feel like that we're also lacking in that, too. Yeah. Like, if you look at Augusta National doing the Masters YouTube channel, Instagram, stuff like that, and then the Augusta podcast stuff, they do a really good job of recapping everything and making it interesting for people who didn't watch it and have... Mm -hmm. or are looking into it. So... Whereas the PGA Tour needs to figure out how to do it that way. Like, I yeah. honestly, I don't think I would have known the Augusta Women's Amateur even existed if it wasn't for one day I was watching YouTube and it was the next video that popped up and it was a recap from the day. Like, yeah. granted, I know, I know some people who have played in the event now, so I guess, like, I would have found out eventually, but when I first found out about it, it, I had no clue it existed until it was, like, two weeks after the event, and there was a video on my YouTube channel, like, my YouTube feed that popped up for it. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we need a little bit more of a presence on social media. Yeah, and, like, the PGA Tour, like I said before, the LPGA is killing it with the social media stuff. The PGA Tour needs mm-hmm. to step up. Um, we need, like, you, have you ever seen the Paralympics TikTok? Yes, I have. Their TikTok is phenomenal, and I feel like we should get their social media person for on the PGA side. You know what also I think the PGA Tour should do? They should hire... Um, like they should hire a foursome of golfers, okay? Um, they can play the the day after the event, and they play eighteen holes. From the tees, you have like a regular old scratch golfer. You have a mid handicapper. You have a high handicapper and a beginner, and then they go out and play eighteen holes on the same course the PGA Tour was just on. I've always said they need someone like the last pairing of the the first two rounds. I, they need just like some average Joe who's a 20 handicap who's going to go out there and chunk it around just so we can get a live comparison to like yeah. well, how bad these guys. Like it'd be really funny if it, we had Rom taking a shot, middle of the fairway, sticks it to like eight feet, and then it cuts to fucking Joe Blow who's <laughs> – like slap slicing balls off the tee <laughs> and all that stuff. Like it would just be a really good, like almost comic relief and just like, oh yeah, these guys are just phenomenal at what they do. Yeah. And I remember someone was asking me like, oh, how do you become good at golf? My answer to them was you don't become good. You just become less shit. Yeah, it's true. You can always get better. Well, it's not, yeah. 
you don't become good, you come become less shit. Because the difference between like where I'm at and uh like me as a like a scratch golfer around there to someone who is a plus handicapper isn't more birdies. It's less doubles and less bogeys. Mm-hmm. So it's yep. not about being insane and making 13 birdies around. Like, I could have a lucky day and go out and shoot and have 13 birdies. But then mm-hmm. it's eliminating those doubles and stuff like that. Like, my first men's 13 birdies round, and five doubles and you're still... Yeah. Yeah. Like, my first men's league of the of the season... I shot a 40 with two doubles. So, other than two holes, I made one mistake and I made one birdie. Yeah. So, like, it's the doubles that kill you. And, like, I'm not someone who goes out and makes a ton of doubles. There's usually, it's usually a, there's a reason behind it. An errant tee shot, OB, or uh, end up in a hazard, or kind of get stuck and then try to be a hero and stuff like that that creates yeah, the doubles yeah. those hero shots i've cut those hero shots out of my game this year i told myself like more like you're not the guy to hook a four iron five feet off the ground around a tree i just take a take my 56 punch it back out into the fairway and then take my medicine and it has significantly made the game easier yes and my experience with having hero shots per se i don't necessarily call it like think of them as hero shots it's more i'm hitting like a pitch shot with my like pitching wedge or whatever and getting it back in the fairway but i'm still trying to advance it a little bit um, oh yeah, yeah whereas there's a lot of times when i bring double into play is i hit the hazard off the tee or i Hit just an errant tee shot and it's in a different fairway, and then I am going to have to get it over a tree or under a tree to get it back into the fairway, and then you come into issues where you you're not perfect, so your stinger climbs up a little bit too much and eclipses the tree. You get those things. So, in all honesty, if I would have just hit like a three wood or a hybrid and hit the center of the fairway. I would be in a much better position to save par mm-hmm. instead of having bogey as best. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've I've taken a lot more fair, like hybrids off the tee. I've taken a lot more uh, three woods off the tee, five woods off the tee. It's and that that has dropped strokes considerably. Like the first, so I've I've only really gotten a chance to play nine because I've had a pretty busy busy schedule. So my first nine, I shot like a 57. It just like was awful. Just an absolute hack. And then the next nine I went out and I shot a 53. And I was like, okay, at least I'm trending in the right direction. Still absolutely hacked the ball around, but it's it was the second nine of the year. And then last week I went out and I shot a 46. I was like, okay, it's getting better. And then uh, on the weekend I went out and it was pissing rain storming it was wet out i had one tee shot where i thought i dried my grip enough thought i dried my hands enough i threw my driver like 50 yards because it just flew out of my hand um and i ended up shooting a 44 
and I was like, well, if I can shoot a 44 in those conditions, like I'm, I'm in a pretty good spot with where my game is. And I just, it's just been taking those, making, playing smart golf is really what I've committed to this year. Just smart golf. Yes. So you saw my scorecard that I sent you, right? The, yeah. When I played on red. So mm. this nine hole shot 34, two under par. I hit two fairways out of the possible six. It's just smart golf, like playing the right shot. Like, so one red, I missed the fairway, but I was in, like, the fairway on five because I hit it up the hill and I just kind of left it out there. It didn't draw. Two, I hit a draw. I was about 50-yard pitch shot in from the rough. Three's a par three. Four, dead center. That For some reason, that hole suits my eye when it suits no one's eye. Um, mm-hmm. Five, I pushed it in the rough. Still got to the green in two. Um, six, hit the fairway. For some reason, I'm either in the middle of the fairway or in the trees on the left-hand side. Doesn't matter. Uh, seven's a par, uh, par three. And then eight, I pulled it a little bit into the rough, got to the green two, two putted for birdie. And then nine was a par three. The reason yeah. why I brought that up is because on every single one of those holes, I, I hit driver. And every single one of the holes that I've hit driver on, it kind of suits my eye. Um, whereas on white, where I made doubles... I hit driver, and the holes did not suit my eye. So white yeah. four, there is hazard on the right-hand side. I'm a left-hand golfer who draws the ball, and there's a tight tree line on the left. So I am forced to start the ball more to the right, and then my ball goes more right. So realistically, in that scenario, a hybrid off the tee, maybe three wood, because usually I play a cut with my three wood. Mm-hmm. So I'll end up. Th- those would be probably the best best case scenarios for me to hit off that tee, and then same thing goes for the other double, which was on six. Tight tree line down the left hand side. Ob hazard on the right. So knowing what suits my eye knows what club I'm gonna hit. Yeah. Also, I just realized I'm a fucking idiot. Leafs don't play until tomorrow night. <laughs> <sighs> I was checking. I'm just trying to get the game just like loaded up, and I'm like, why is it not playing the Leafs game? I don't, I don't want to watch Florida and Boston tonight. And I checked, and I was like, oh yeah, they don't play until tomorrow. So. So we started early for no reason. For no reason. Well. Okay. So. We've gone off topic so many times. So back. So it's the Mexican Open this weekend. Tis. Tis the Mexican Open. Um, Have you seen this field? I am looking at it right now, and I will let you know when I recognize the name. Gary Woodland. I know that name. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Cal. Alan Taran, I know that name. Streelman, Smotherman, 
Not a lot of heavy hitters that I'm seeing. So Rom's in here. That's good. Yeah. Perth. Hendrith, Canadian guy. Peter Bonatti, he was on the leaderboards a lot at the beginning of the year. Um, Brian, right? Wesley's in this one. Yeah. And is in Akshay too? I don't. Haven't seen him yet. He might. I don't. I I thought he was in there when I looked at it. I'm not 100 sure. I was. Oh look. Spanish or English? English, please. Yeah, he is. He's playing. Um, He'd be playing. Yeah, so... I do have my picks, so I did my research. Yeah, I... I don't really have many picks because... There's not too many people in the field, and I kind of normally just go off this off the seat of my pants anyways um yeah he's he's gonna rom's gonna win again is that even a question yeah rom's gonna win so he won last year so i was gonna win again <laughs> i i won the week previous so that yeah. means i get first pick fair enough so for our um picks a surefire pick. I'm I'm taking Rom this week. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's a good bet. Um, all right. I had these two guys lined up. I know he's not going to beat Rom. I just really hope he plays well enough to get me a low number. Um, I don't know. My my uh my big my big pick's gonna be Tony Fino. Fino. Tony Finau is playing. I know. I saw him. He was one of the yeah. ones I was thinking. Um, He's even my big big guy. So that's our heavy hitter. Then we have our top ten guy. Do we, is there any guys in the top ten other well, than the Mom? top ten guy is the heavy hitter? Then we have like the dark. Then, then we have like uh, and the random. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's who it was. We had heavy hitter. Random dark horse. Yeah, got it. Wasn't our didn't our, our random have to be outside of the top fifty? Or no, our dark horse had to be outside of the top fifty. Yeah, it was just someone who was kind of, kind of. Well, I would say for the most part, they're inside the top fifty. They're just outside of that top fifteen twenty. Okay. I'm looking, I don't. I know my dark horse pick. I haven't picked my random yet. Do you have a random? Uh, random, I think I'm going Dylan Fratelli. Dylan Fratelli? Yeah. What, uh, what OWGR is he? I have no clue. <laughs> I just know the name. He Just rock- recognize it, just scrolling through. He rocks a Garrison Max... Um, with the South African flag colors on it. Um, that's all I know about him. Um, um, for my random, let's see, who am I liking today? Who's, because last time Joel uh, Damon 
he, his name just popped out of me, and he played pretty well. I got you. Who wants to be on my team? I'm going to pick. Dylan Fratelli is world number 207. My uh, my random is Streelman. Streelman? Yeah, Kevin Streelman. How do you spell that? My guy. S-T-R-E-E-L-M-A-N. He is... He's got two career wins. He's been pro as long as I've been alive. He's 44 years old. This is a bad pick. <laughs> he just... He just knew... He's, his name just popped out of me. But you know what? I got, I have a couple strokes to play with. Yes, you do have a couple strokes to play with. Um, do I double down on the previous time who let me down? Um, I don't know. I was wondering if you were going to do it. It's up to you. There's an amateur in this field? What? Who? His name's Omar. Omar. Yep. Omar Morales. Morales. He is Mexican from Mexico. Let's see, what can I find about Omar Morales? I mean Dylan Fratelli is uh plus fifteen hundred. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad at all. I'm just looking at the things on on the PGA Tour website. Yeah, that's what I do pretty much to make my picks. Rom Morales. How is Rom only plus two fifty? I might be making. I might be tossing some money on Rom to win this weekend. Yeah, just cause. Omar Morales is 406th in the World Amateur Golf Ranking. How is this guy in this event? What did he win to qualify? He didn't win the Latin American because the Latin American he, AM played at the Masters. His only win so far is the El Macero, I'm probably butchering this, El Macero Classic. He won it this last month, or not this past weekend, or what? What day is it? He won if April the fourteenth of April to the sixteenth of April. So last weekend, two weekends ago. So you got an exemption. Yeah, that's the only thing I can guess. There's no way four hundred six in the world golf amateur rankings is qualifying. I think I'm going against my whole um, Akshay Batia. Yeah. And I'm going Cam Champ. Cam Champ? Yeah. He's kind of a sleeper. I would count him as a sleeper. He is a sleeper. He is world number 222. <laughs> oh my god, he is a sleeper. Jesus. <laughs> what, are, what are his odds to win? Uh, plus one, what is it, 
to win? Uh, what is it? One, a hundred and twenty-five thousand. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> so my sleeper is gonna be. I've done a little bit of research on sleeper picks. Joseph Bramlett. Joseph Bramlin. Bramlett. Bramlett. He's a 189 world golf ranking. He looks goofy as hell in his <laughs> PGA photo. <laughs> but he's, uh, I don't know, he's, he was in a lot of the articles I read, so I'm, I'm going to pick him. This is definitely... Oh, Molinari's in this tournament too? Really? Yeah. Uh, is it too late to change picks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're already locked in. Dang it. I was going to switch out Streelman for Molinari. Man, if you look at Molinari's PGA like profile, he looks faded. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. He's staring into my soul right now. It's unsettling. Okay, all right. I gotta get off this. <laughs> so if Akshay Batia turns it around, next time he's in the field, I'm picking him. But if he doesn't turn it around... And then he's gonna tank it again. I know. It's it's it's, it's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna pick him, and he's gonna be like, nope. Um, no, sir. So... I have Rom, you have Fino, I have Fratelli, you have, was yeah. it Streamman? Streelman. Streelman. It's Streamer Streelman. Have you ever heard Kevin Streelman's name before? No. Um, I got Champ, and you got, how do you spell, how do you say his last name? Bram- Bramlet. Bramlet. Is yeah. it, does it end with an E? Two T's. Just two T's? Pretty confident, two T's. Okay. I spelt it wrong, but that's okay. Yeah, two T's. Confirmed. So this is going to be a very exciting weekend of golf at the It'll be, uh, Mexican Open. Um, I don't even know if tossing money on Ram is worth it this weekend. Like You'd have to put a considerable amount for it to even be like have a decent payout. Yeah. Um... Before we get on to the final segment in the unpopular golf opinions, I want to ask your opinion on that PGA Tour Americas. I really like it. I don't know. I, I don't really follow the amateur circuits all that much, but uh, well, it's not amateur. Uh, it's, I think it's under like well, it's under the Corn Ferry. So instead of it being like PGA Tour Canada, Latin American Tour, then Corn Ferry, it's PGA Tour Americas then corn fairy i don't really follow the sub pga tour tours yeah all that much like i watch a little bit of corn fairy when it's on um so i don't really i don't really have much background knowledge on two tours but from what i read uh them merging seems like it'd be it's a cool opportunity for the guys playing in it to get a little bit more travel and experience on the road and all that stuff and have it be bit closer to what it's being like actually playing on the the big show but i don't know i i can't really speak that much on it because i don't really know that much about it so my opinion on it um one it's gonna be one hell of a tour 
Um, they're going to probably travel, if not, if not or more than what they do on Corn Ferry. Because mm. you have Latin America, so you have all of, like, um, Mexico, you got Brazil, you got all Latin America. Mm-hmm. Then you come back up and you got the U.S. and Canada, too, to do, to travel through. Yeah. So it's big time traveling. There's, so for those guys who are freshly out of college and have very little sponsorship money, I don't know how reasonable it is mm. to expect them to mm-hmm. do that. Yes, the skill level on that tour is going to be insane. But again, are you going to have people who will withdraw from events down south and just play up here? And do you think there are people who will withdraw up here and just play down there, depending on where they're from? Yeah, I don't know. They might. They're, they're definitely going to have rules in place to prevent that from being like a thing. And I I feel like my biggest concern about it is like my path to playing like on a tour like that is through PGA PGA Canada and the PGA mm-hmm. Canada tour, um, and now that's going away and it's going to make it a lot harder to go to Q school and a lot yeah. less reasonable to go to Q school type thing. Um, yeah. Next thing on the bucket list, or the bucket list, the list of that is we might lose the Winter Championship. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Because if there's only six events in Canada for this tour and six events down south. Yeah, I got to come to Windsor. Why would they come play at Ambassador when they're going to be playing at TPC Toronto? They're going to be playing somewhere in BC. They're going to play somewhere in Alberta. Why would they play yeah. multiple multiple events in Ontario? There's no point. They're not going to want to. So unless something magical happens and they decide to keep the Windsor Championship, we might lose the Windsor Championship. Mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate because Very. we literally just got it back this year because we <laughs> didn't have it for COVID. Yeah. So That would be really unfortunate. I was really looking forward to that. Yeah. So, like, it'll be there this year. It's just, will it happen next year? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, that's that's another reason. The other reason that I find that this is kind of an eh idea, in my opinion, is, like, if you look at mini tours here in Canada, or at least here in Ontario... You have Toronto Players Tour, you had the Great Lakes Tour, and then the East Coast Players Tour. So the Great Lakes Tour and East Coast Player Tour has merged. So they're all under one banner now. So yes, the prize pool is bigger. But again, there's not enough professional golf in Ontario where there's the ability for three tours. Um, now you're going to be taking basically, so if you look at the two tours, Latin America or PGA Tour Canada, they have a finite member, member, membership. Okay. Then if you're going to take those two tours and merge them, 
they're going to have about the same number of membership for the one tour as they do for both the tours. So now our local mini tours and stuff like that, the skill level is going to increase, it's going to be tougher and stuff like that. And that makes it a lot harder on myself. Yeah, that does. It makes it harder for... But it, it, that could almost be better for for a game because it's kind of like a, it's the best, the best of the best make it through. No? Yeah. But like, um, Q school is still like you're still only five days away from having a PGA tour card. Five good days away. Yeah, that's true. That's nuts. So like where's the best of the best there could be one of the best of the best could show up to Q school not play well and you have someone who just played well for 5 days and now they got a card. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Sorry, my dad just came downstairs, didn't realize we were recording a podcast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so, um, where was I? I don't remember. It was, it was just the, the level of professional golf is going to increase in Ontario, and I'm scared for it. That's basically yeah, what it but is. It just makes it that much more exciting. Um, cool. Okay. So now we talked about our, the PGA Tour Americas. We talked about the live in the party hall. We got our picks for the Mexico, the Mexican Open. The Zurich was a sleeper. Chevron oh, was nothing. like, eh. Like, it was a completely major. average. It was just very hard to watch because it wasn't on everywhere, which is unfortunate. Um, they need yes, to get, very. if they want to grow the women's game, they need to get him on more than just Golf Channel in Canada. They need to have it on. Mm-hmm. That your TSNs, your whatnot, especially like for the, I, I kind of understand it as a like regular, regular everyday or every weekend tournament where it's just kind of like, doesn't, you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I kind of understand it for that, but for the major, I think it especially should be on a couple more channels than just golf channel. Yes, especially like, when you oh, have so. the Zurich, who was an absolute sleeper this weekend. Yeah, I'd rather I would much rather have watched that than the Zurich. Yeah. Even though I didn't watch either. Yeah. Like I I don't know. Like I noticed like the US Women's Open gets more media coverage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But not necessarily the other majors. Yeah, I I feel like because it, then it does come down to the amount of, like, not as many people are watching, yes. But it also comes down to, because it's, the main reason it's not being marketed as much, and B, that they don't have, it's the same argument in all of women's versus men's sports, it's just that it doesn't bring in the same amount of money. But I kind of, I understand why, but I feel like they, there is a lot to be done about growing the women's game. Well... If we look at the March Madness, did you hear about this? 
No. So ESPN does not have the rights to um, the men's tournament in the U.S. It's CBS. Okay. Okay. ESPN has the rights to the women's tournament. The final f- tickets mm-hmm. for the final four and the championship game in the women's tournament was more expensive than the men's because of like the resale value on it. Because ESPN, yeah. they leaned into having women's basketball. They leaned into, I don't even know her name, the greatest college women's basketball player yeah. of all time, whatever. They leaned into that storylines. They stuff. were also electric. Who I forget, It was LSU and another team. They were just unreal in that, that uh, all the trash talking and everything. Yeah, and ESPN leaned into it, and they may put out good content and stuff like that. That's This is a, like a full circle thing where how the LPGA is putting out this amazing content that mm-hmm. if ESPN picked up on and um, golf.com, all these other outsources started picking up on these stories like the fact that the jump's still in the tournament or that... Um, Brooke Henderson's first professional tournament on the LPGA Tour. Her sister was in it, too. Mm. Like, if they picked up on some of those stories and, like, talked about it as much as, like, the PGA Tour talked about, like, Fitzpatrick boys playing together, I feel like they'll get more interest into the game. It's it's hard just, them like, the LPGA themselves pushing for it type thing. Yeah. Like... So it's been done before, and it like it's been done before in the sports world where people have cared more about the women's game than the men's game. Um, it's happened in tennis for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, look at Serena Williams, probably the most um, recognizable tennis player of all time, even though you got Federer, Nadal, and all those other guys. Yeah. I, I would say if you walk around just to a random public, they wouldn't be able to know who Serena Williams is is over Federer or Nadal. Definitely. Whereas you walk around random people now, it's if you show them Tiger and Annika, no one's going to know who Annika is. So that's where like they got to lean into their stars in the women's game to kind of uplift them, the rest of them. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so now to close out the show, um, we got unpopular golf opinions. We're going to end it that way. Um, What's one of the unpopular golf opinions you got there? I am – this is a good one I like. This is a good one that I've had to kind of realize myself this past offseason. I kind of came to terms with this. Um. So this is specifically talking about the subreddit, but I think this has to do with almost all like golfers in general. This sub thinks that anyone under a 10 handicap should have a beautiful textbook swing. And if you don't, then you're lying about your handicap. I know so many great players with not great swings, which I totally agree. And I didn't quite um, come to terms with or uh, accept that your swing the way your swing looks doesn't really matter all that much as long as the ball goes where you want it to yeah look at so it's not really much of an unpopular opinion but it's more of a a thing that more people need to realize yes in the golf community that if your swing your swing can look busted 
but who cares if, if the ball goes where you want it to? Exactly. Like, look at Rom swing, short backswing. That's the easiest yeah. thing to do. Look That's at Matt. literally the next uh, comment on this on that post was if John Rom posted this swing here and somehow people didn't know who it was, hundred percent people would tell him he sucks at golf. Yeah. Um. Ne- next thing, Matt Wolf. Yeah. With his big way outside. Yeah. The textbook part of the swing, I would say, is that transition period from backswing to downswing. Your backswing could be way outside, way inside, whatever. The Every single one of the players on the PGA Tour in their downswing shallows at the club somehow. Even if they mm. cut the ball, they don't come. They don't when they cut the ball. They don't come across. They come down and through. It's that downswing portion where that's where their textbook. Yeah. How do they get to the downswing portion? Doesn't matter. Like Tiger, Tiger is someone who is kind of very outside the golf ball. Like if you want to look up a perfect golf swing, you're looking at Nelly Corda. She has like the textbook golf swing. Yeah. Anyone else? Not named Nelly Corda, your swing is not textbook. But how many people are on the PGA Tour? How many people are professional golfers? How many people are low handicap and handicaps in this world? Their swings aren't perfect. Like my handicap has changed 0.2 since last year, and last year I was a slider where I kind of slid out and. My swing didn't look very, doesn't look the best all the time. Sometimes it looks really good. Sometimes it looks terrible. Depends on mm-hmm. the angle of the camera. Because if you see my back shoulder dip, it looks weird. But when I'm hitting the golf ball, it's just how it works. Um, goes straight. That's all that matters. Or it goes the way you not straight, but where you want it to. Yeah. Um, that's also a thing that TPI talks about, which is Tyler's Performance Institute. Um, they talk about. It's not about having a specific golf swing. It's about like making sure your golf swing matches your body and how mm-hmm. your body can move. Like John Rahm, if he wanted to, he can do a full backswing because of his rotation of his hips and upper body. He can rotate that, but then that will cause him to over-rotate, and then when he decides to go down in his downswing, he will ha- – he like when he unleashes it, it will – He'll, he won't get stuck. He will overdo it, and then he'll hit just balloon hooks just because of how much mm. he can actually rotate. So he they limit his rotation so he can get more power and more speed into the ball because he's not having to unravel a lot quicker the more he rotates. Yeah. So, right, yeah. You got one? Um... Where is, where is it? I I had it saved. Um, gotta find this. I got a, another one. That's, I think we will both agree on again. Um, walking is much more enjoyable than riding. Okay, I'm on the fence about walking, okay? Okay, let's hear it. So, it depends on the situation. So, like, if I'm recording a YouTube video or something like that, I'm going to ride it all the time. Because usually, if I'm recording a YouTube video, I'm playing with someone and they're in the video with me. So, we're going to be going 
to each ball and we're going to be recording. So in that instance, when we're walking, if we hit the balls on opposite sides of the fairway, one of us is not getting something recorded because it's either yeah. I have the camera on you and there's no one to put the camera on me or there's no one to put the camera on you or like vice versa or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so in that instance, riding is definitely better than walking. Okay. If you're going out and if it's just like a casual, like, Hey, I'm going to go play a few holes after I'm done practicing. Riding is definitely better for that because you can hit multiple shots from the same spot, whatever, drive up to the green, pick up your balls, move on. Um, but if you're playing seriously in a tournament, yes, walking is so much better than uh, riding because you get more time to relax, you get more time to think through your, your shots, you get more time to forget the mistakes, stuff like that, that ends up kind of making it better like i play when i walk i play better golf than when i ride mm -hmm. but agreed like i said there is instance where i find riding is much better and most of it it comes around like social media or being with uh someone who does not want to walk mm -hmm. i always prefer to uh walk myself uh i i for like two maybe three main reasons the first is uh just nice to be out in nature and just kind of walk I, sometimes i the noise of the golf cart like it's being loud and just walking i find can be more relaxing personally two um i like the like you get more conversation when you're walking i feel if you're out with friends and stuff when you're all walking up the fairway it takes longer a longer to get the balls be the whole group's not split up into groups two and see i find a lot of times when you get back to the cart when you're um riding you usually have your phone in the cup holder your phone right in front of you you just get back in the cart you go on your phone check social media until you get to your ball i i feel like walking you just you're more in tune with each other you're more in tune with the game you get time to think about your shot more time to talk it's quieter more relaxed as i feel like it's always Especially when I, I started using Pushcart. I joined Pushcart Mafia about halfway last uh, last season. And I've never looked back. It's just It was one of the best decisions I made just to get over having a Pushcart. Uh, it was great. I, I just find it made, made every round more enjoyable. Yeah, my Pushcart is broken. Oh, that sucks. The, so the wheel is like barely on on the one side because the brake is like stuck on. So, like, I can't undo yeah. the brake. So, it's just, like, the wheel is just barely on enough so it ro will roll and not hit the brake. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, that will go for some more. This one is weird. This one I see, it says, PGA Tour Pro should not be allowed caddies. All the little things that the caddy does for the top player is a part of the test. Um, a push cart and a range finder, and let's go. Hmm. I, 
I'm left speechless by that one. So caddies do more than just give a yardage and carry the bag. Yeah, yeah. They give their, like, a mental, like, they help, they help with the mental side of the game. They, obviously, there's a lot of, like, the other aspects of the shot. They know their golfer's shot inside and out. They know, they help with the wind and lies and all that, all that stuff. There's a million things that caddies do that the average golf fan just wouldn't know. But I feel like it would be more of a challenge, more of an like who's the better golfer to have someone go out there and just have a push cart and a range finder. I guess. Like, a lot of the times, caddies and players, the player has his shot that he wants to hit, and the caddy has the shot that he thinks he should hit. And a lot of the times, obviously, the caddy's overruled because if the player's not confident in the shot that the caddy is saying, then he's not going to hit the shot well. Um, there's also a lot of times where they work together on deciding, like, the yardage and stuff like that, whereas the caddy is in charge of, like, to the pin and w- with, like, the calculations with the wind and stuff like that, whereas the player has, like, gets the numbers from, like, the ball to the front of the green and then they calculate it together and then they come up with the yardage that way. Um... Like, if you look at JT with Bones, Bones is reading putts more now for him and stuff like that to kind of... Because JT's kind of wanting to get to that next level where he wins more than just the PGA Championship. Yeah. So, I say, yes, if we talk about just golf-related, um, caddies not being there, I don't think it makes much of a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, even if there is range finders, again, c- between a player and a caddy not being like a player without a caddy and a player with a caddy, there's not much difference on like how the shot's going to happen. It's just that added of the mental support coach, the um, second opinion, that because that second opinion goes from you chunking a wedge to being confident in hitting that wedge. Yep. Um. So I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't like that. That's tough. That's a tough question. I, I, I I like it the way that it is right now. Yes, I like. I would say, even if they were allowed to have rangefinders, I would still say that caddy should be there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I've got a good one here. This is a short one. Anyone who calls an albatross a double eagle should go right to jail. <laughs> I agree. It depends. it depends. I agree. It, it's not a double eagle. It depends, okay? depends. An eagle is two under. So double two under would be four under. Yes. But so you, don't, you don't... Not... You don't call a triple bogey, like, like what? Something that would else. be like, yeah, that would be like a six. Um, the reason why I say it depends on double eagle, it depends on who's saying it, because if it's an 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 announcer on the PGA Tour, then I guess okay, you were forgiven because your job is to talk about the PGA Tour. 
if you're someone who's talking about what happened um, and say, oh, yeah, he made a double eagle. Well, if you're looking on I still think you and the PGA were now straight to kill. I I his, I think the PGA announcer goes straight to jail. No matter how respected they are, if they say double eagle, gone. What if your girlfriend said double eagle? Gone. Straight gone. to jail. <laughs> straight to jail. Out of there. Uh, let's see what else we got there. Got here. Retired people should only play on weekdays. I 100% agree. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You got all the time in the world to golf. You just golf when I... Not when I need to go. Um, I'm I'm reading some of these things like um this person says the masters is a far is far is by far the easiest of the four majors to win um given the fact that it's a watered down field so smaller field um mm-hmm. players playing a familiar venue because it's played every single year um what i'd almost agree with that but he's also saying that he would personally rather win the u.s open no than the masters i agree with half of what he said i so augusta i would say the course might be the easiest ones that they play on for the majors, but the greens are definitely the hardest. Yeah. Like, just... But I still think even the greens being as hard as they are, they still know them. But it changes every year. Because they've been doing work every single year on the course, and it's been changing, and um, like the pins on Sunday are the same every single year, but like again, but they don't change the whole green complexes, do they? No, they don't. So you you still know the breaks, and you still know the like you 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 get to know the greens. Yes, but I would say how how many times do you think? The PGA Tour players who are playing in the Masters play Augusta before the tournament. Well, I mean, outside the practice tournaments, okay, rounds. How many? So, if we say this is, um, this is Akshay Batia's first uh, Masters. How many times do you think he's played Augusta before Thursday? Before Thursday, probably played it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday he wouldn't. Wednesday's the par three day. Oh yeah, that's true. So probably played it Monday, Tuesday. That's twice. Um but Monday they only are they're only allowed on the course for half the day because they still have members tea times on Monday. You still you still get to play, you know, some of the greens. Yeah, so you play the afternoons, so you play like nine holes Monday. You probably play mm-hmm. nine holes 
Tuesday, and then you play the tournament. Yeah. Barring, or, like, so, realistically, you play Augusta once, roughly, unless you get in on the Saturday before or the Sunday before, you play Augusta once before the tournament. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if you have an in like Tiger Woods, you can go and play it, like, twice or three times before the tournament's like even week happens yeah like i think rory said he played like six times before the tournament but that's also rory that's not um tony finau but uh again like the more you play it the more you've gotten to know it yeah right so i feel like it might be very hard for a first time or even second time player to win there but once you get that experience and you get potentially eight absolute minimum of four rounds or six rounds under your belt you're you're gonna start to know the greens and you're gonna have them pretty down pat and be able to talk to people that other people that know the greens that have played them for 23 years in a row and you're gonna like i feel like with all the knowledge and experience of the tournament there is out there, it might be the easiest to win. It's the most prestigious to win, but it might be the easiest. So, would you say the easiest U.S. Open venue to win at is Pebble Beach, then? Probably. Because they have the Pro-Am at the beginning of the year. The pro, and they play that all the time. They can play that whenever they want. Yeah. Majority I'd of... Say, what? Majority of the U.S. Open courses, they could play whenever they want. So I, I'd say, but the, but it also changes all the time. Yes, it's kind of on a cycle, like because they know they're going to be back at Pebble Beach. They know they're going to be at Pinehurst, and then you'll have like the ones here and there where they're different, like uh, Country Club of Brookline and stuff like that, where they kind of switch it up over and over again, and they're kind of on a, like a rotation where there's. Mm-hmm. whatnot but again i still think just the greens itself makes augusta the hardest because even if the greens are soft they roll different than when they're firm and you hit one bad shot on any one of the holes and you're on the wrong side of that hole you're making double triple because of the fact that you don't have an opportunity whereas if you're mm-hmm. at Pebble Beach the only time where you really don't have an opportunity to get up and down on any of the greens is if you're in the ocean yeah. Yeah. I see that I can see that, that aspect of it yeah so like I would say mm-hmm. even though Augusta they play the same courses all the time I don't think it's the easiest out of the majors to win um, because obviously you can go to St. Andrews. The greens are a lot slower over in the, in the UK versus here. Uh, a lot of times they're burnt out and you can hit a one iron or a two iron, like 350 yards just because of how hard it is. So yeah. I would say on a pure, like, as long as you keep it in the fairway, you the easiest would be like an open on a burnt out, um, golf course. Okay, yeah, I can see that. 
Mm. I feel like that was a good one to end on. That was a good discussion. Yeah. It was a great that was a great discussion about um Augusta and like I'm I I will tell you that um the Masters is not is not my favorite tournament when like like I said the US opens at Pebble Beach or the opens at St Andrews but I got to defend them when it comes down time to ruin the prestige. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree. I I think it's not the easiest to win, but I think there's I think it it has the most opportunities to do well at. I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, and then you also can argue that you have less opportunities because it's only the top fifty players in the world. That's true. Whereas, like for the U.S. Open, the top seventy get in, and then qualifiers, yeah. and I think it's what yeah. one hundred and sixty players in the field. So, like, as much as it's easier for the people who are there every single year, it's also harder for everyone else who's trying to get there. Yeah, very true. Um, so, just again, final recap um, for our picks this year. You're at 54 under par. I am at 37 under par. By the end of this weekend, we're going to be tied at 57. Oh, big prediction. 57? Tied at 57 under par. That's what I'm going with. You, so you think that I'm going to have – I'm going to go – all my guys are going to only go three under this weekend. Yep, and I'm going to oh, wow. go That's a... 20, we'll have 20 a nuts under par. weekend. My my team's going to go twenty under par, and you're going to go three under par. I'm going to say it's going to end at seventy one fifty six. Nah, That's my guess. Seventy one fifty six is my uh, my lead. You're going to close the gap a little bit, but that's yeah. I. I I still I I wanted to make make it like us tied, but I wanted to make it reasonable. I couldn't say we're gonna be tied at like sixty something because we'd have be, to shoot crazy. It, it, it would be a stretch to say anything over twenty under for three people. Yeah, um, be, it would be nice to be tied and start at zero again. Yeah, it would be because I definitely need the help. Yeah, or maybe I pick the winner and then. That's true. You could get a big bonus there. Yeah, because, you know, we got Rom. You did get the heavy hitter. I did, because I won last week, so I got to pick the winner of this week. You got to pick first. So, uh, anything else for this week? I think I'm good. I'm all talked out. Yeah, me too. I'm running out of things to say here. So, yeah, me too. Thank you guys for watching and listening to the podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe and follow us on social media. Um, we have a Twitter now. I made a Twitter. Oh, you made a Twitter? Uh, I haven't. I, I made I, a Twitter. I haven't done anything on it yet because I'm just waiting for the right time. But it is the at is hack hack h a c k the letter n scratch. And, I uh, I couldn't tell you how when I was last on Twitter because I'm not on Twitter that often. So yeah, so I I'll be uh, tweeting on that and uh, tweeting on that, retweeting. I'll be getting into it in the comments of other tweets with people, mainly just to 
I like being a shit disturber. So, yeah, if you want to hear my thoughts about golf, it's on our Hack and Scratch Twitter there. Yes. And then I I need to figure out how what post and how we're going to do post um, for um, Instagram and TikTok. But I think I have an idea. We had that one. We had one really good reel. That was really funny. Yeah, we got one. We got one good one. Um, But I think I I have a few ideas for it. So, thank you guys for watching. Click like and subscribe, and see you around. See you guys.